Welcome to The Self-Made Theory, the podcast that's all about innovating, overcoming and prospering. We interview founders, entrepreneurs, innovators, CEOs and other exciting people about their amazing business journey. Over to your host, Ben Campbell, for this week's episode. Welcome back to The Self-Made Theory. In this episode, I interview Jim Wally, who has been appointed as the Chief Entrepreneur for South Australia. Now, while it might seem strange to interview a government employee for a show that's all about founders and entrepreneurs, Jim just doesn't fit the mould of what many might consider a typical government employee. Firstly, he isn't paid. It's a volunteer position. And he has a great track record in building successful business here in South Australia. If you look at his photos on my website and look into his background, you might see him as a bit of a cross between Tom Cruise and Richard Branson. And he's certainly no slow-moving bureaucrat. He's a make-it-happen type of guy. We discuss some important and interesting topics like executing and planning a business is not dissimilar to a fighter jet mission. We talk about the first ever visa scheme that's designed to attract entrepreneurs to Australia. And Jim puts dodgy operators on notice. There's no place for you in the entrepreneurial community. My name is Ben Campbell and this is The Self-Made Theory. Jim Wally, welcome to The Self-Made Theory. Ben, great to be here. Thanks for having me. My absolute pleasure. Now, we're down in Lot 14, uh, which is your new home, really, isn't this it? This is my new kingdom as Chief Entrepreneur <laughs> for South Australia. And uh, you'll, your listeners will note that there's the odd bang and... Uh, Hammond drill and other things. That's because things are going on down here. We're building an entrepreneurial neighbourhood. Which, which is pretty exciting. Very exciting. Now, we're quite similar. I didn't realise how similar that you and I are. So you have an MBA. We're both very good looking or... Well, there uh, is that. I, yes. But this is radio and so listeners can't quite People see that. People have often said to me that I've got a face for radio. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, you have an MBA. I do, from I, the University of Adelaide. I have an MBA. Yep. You're passionate about entrepreneurship here in South Australia. I am. I'm passionate about entrepreneurship yep. here in yep. South Australia. Well, you're a fighter pilot. I was, yeah. And, and I think that's where the similarity ends. Yeah. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about who Jim Wally is. Sure. Okay. So uh, born and raised in Melbourne and then joined the Air Force um, straight out of school, uh, which I'd always wanted to do as a kid. I'm a bit of influence. Dad was a pilot during the Second World War. Yes. So joined the Air Force, went to the Air Force Academy and then the Australian Defence Force Academy, did my pilot training, flew an aeroplane uh, called a Caribou for a couple of years and then uh, was selected to go to fly fighters. So I flew F-18s in total for about uh, eight or nine years, which was fantastic Mm -hmm. fun. I got to go to test pilot school, to the quaintly named Empire Test Pilot School in the UK, a place called Boscombe Down. Flew all sorts of uh, wonderful things, everything from Jaguars and tornadoes to um, helicopters and transport aircraft and and all sorts of wonderful things. So that was great fun. Uh, And then um, that brought me back to Adelaide, to the Air Force flight test establishment, the aircraft. Research and Development Unit, where I sort of kept flying F-18s and doing all sorts of um, weird and wonderful things. Mm-hmm. And then, um, typical story, I met an Adelaide girl and that sort of ruined my Air Force career. <laughs> um, fortunately, at the time, I was doing an MBA, which I thought would be useful if I was ever going to uh, reach for the upper echelons of the Air Force. And you were doing that here at... Uh, I was doing that at Adelaide Uni, yeah, which was uh, which was a really fabulous experience. Um, absolutely loved it. And so why, did, why was that? What drove you to think that an MBA was right? for you? 
Uh, it, it literally was because I, uh, there weren't too many fighter pilots at the time that had MBAs, and I thought if I was um, going to have a career in the Air Force, that would be a useful skill. You know, obviously, flying jet fighters uh, is important, but um, you know, as you progress through the Air Force, you, mm. you take command and leadership roles, and, uh, and understanding, um, I guess, a bit more of that. Um, I thought was uh, was important, and particularly in the perhaps the non-defence context, the defence force do a great job at leadership and management training. But the focus is on operational capability and war fighting, as opposed to um, business and finance and you know accounting and all those sorts of things. So of I thought that extra set of skills um, would be useful. And look, as it turned out, when I uh, met my wife uh, Melinda and uh, decided that uh, it was a a case of um, you know change of career um, if we were going to stay together that MBA was was really useful and um, I started up a business uh, despite the incompetence of senior management that business has done pretty well so what drove you to start the business uh, look I'm, a, I'm an entrepreneur by necessity it literally was uh, after leaving the Air Force as as one of my uni professors said to me the only thing you're qualified to do is drop bombs on people and shoot airplanes out of the sky <laughs> so you're probably find, going to find it difficult to uh, to get a job um, so seemed more sensible to create one myself so I did and the uh, the business was very much about providing um, engineering services to defence particularly in the area of flight test uh, and there had been a commercialisation of a lot of defence work in the years prior to me um, to leaving the Air Force so there was an opportunity there and it, uh, and it worked well. So most people might consider that the Defence Force or any large organisation like that is rigid, structured, very organised, very planned, very, you know, we have 10 and 20 year plans in place to Mm. build these, you know, these defence capabilities. How does that compare with the entrepreneur world? And and it does seem strange that uh, somebody who's had that background can lead the state uh, as the chief entrepreneur. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting that the the world of um, fighter flying is very dynamic um, and very outcome focused. Focused. And whilst there is a lot of work done on safety and you know procedures and bits and pieces like that, you know you, you need people that can make quick decisions in um, in fast-moving environments. And certainly that was the case with being a test pilot as well. You know it was about small teams working on complex problems mm. and creating outcomes. So uh, interestingly enough, you know I, I, I sort of sometimes joke about it, but there's a lot of truth in it. That you know when I started up the business, it literally was a flight test program. It was just a flight test program for a business instead of a uh, instead of an aircraft and uh, you know there's lessons learned there's experimentation you've got to have fuel you've got to have money you know you've got to have a, a purpose and a, a focus of what you're trying to achieve and um, those many of those things translated directly into uh, to Nova Systems mm. um, the, the business I started so uh, I, I think also whilst there is a perception sometimes of, of defence as large and bureaucratic you know often the opposite is true you know certainly with the flight test teams I was working with they were they were small high performance teams very very qualified people very outcome focused um, working hard to uh, achieve an aim and um, you know a lot of the people that are in my organisation now come from that same background uh, mm. out of defence. Yeah right. I was at an entrepreneur event last week at Moonshine and I was talking to one of uh, the business founders there and we we're talking about OODA loops yep. and and how relevant that was yeah. to uh, yeah. an entrepreneurial startup community. Absolutely yeah. you know and we have lots of other uh, acronyms in, in defence but you know that whole process of thinking of uh, of outcomes, you know, of, of planning a mission, um, executing it, administrating it, controlling it, all those sorts of things. Mm. 
are things that, and you know, a lot of strategy, um, business strategy, has had its some um, foundations in in uh, in military strategy. Mm. What most people wouldn't know about your position as the chief entrepreneur of South Australia is that it's a volunteer position. It is. Uh, like, doesn't the South Australian government have enough to pay you? No, look, they have, but um, <laughs> they and they did say that if I do really well, they're going to double my pay. <laughs> um, but uh, no, I, look, South Australia has been really good good to me. Um, uh, the Premier Stephen Marshall um, asked me if I'd do this. You know, as I say, so, I, so I, why did he ask you? What was it that stood you out from? Well, probably because the preceding fifteen people had said no. <laughs> um, uh, no, I, I hope, hopefully I'm joking. Uh, look, I, I think I'd had the uh, the, the benefit of a uh, successful business, which mm. is still growing. I think I've generally had good relationships across you know the political spectrum. I hope I'm seen as someone that's reasonably well balanced, uh, reasonably connected in the business community, um, and also someone that likes to contribute. And you know, I joined the Defence Force and the Air Force not to make money. I joined it because you know I wanted to fly aeroplanes and serve the nation. You know, I don't know. Maybe those characteristics mm. were, were part of the uh, the process. And and so why did you choose the role, or why did you take on the role, given given your commitment to running a business, and given it, it has quite a big commitment in terms of time? Look, it, it does. But as as I say, look, South Australia's been very good to me. Um, and you know, I stepped down as CEO of my own business two years ago. So I I, I sit as chairman of the board and a uh, consultant and do a few other bits and pieces. So there was the uh, the time to do it. You know, I've got six kids. I want them to have opportunities and careers in South Australia. Now, I don't want them, that doesn't mean they necessarily need to stay here from the get-go, but if, if my kids, if my daughter goes off and studies overseas mm. and does some great stuff and becomes a businesswoman, I want her to feel that there's opportunities if she comes back and to contribute to the state and, and you know, have family and friends here mm. and, and, you know, always regard this as a home and, and, and be able to have a home here, but also to be able to have all the professional opportunities that you can get anywhere else. Mm, absolutely. New South Wales Labor Department's just recently stated that they're going to appoint a chief entrepreneur. They're, if they're they... clearly copying South well, Australia. What, what does Oscar Wilde say that uh, imitation is the sincerest form, form of, of flattery. flattery? Absolutely. Why is it important for governments to have this role? Uh, look, I think it's a it's a really good focal point. Someone asked me about that's a said to me that's a very grand title, and uh, it is a grand title. And I think it does create a focal point for entrepreneurship. I think facilities like Lot 14, where we're sitting at the moment, where um, your listeners can hear the um, the, the sound of hammers and um, uh, saws going off, is also a physical manifestation and focal point for entrepreneurship. So, creating a sense of entrepreneurship is not just about government policy. It's not just just about people talking about it. It's about having people, personalities and facilities that are clearly focused on entrepreneurial outcomes. And I think the title of Chief Entrepreneur is just one other way of, of achieving that. I've often described to clients and others that Silicon Valley or that type of place is really an ecosystem. Yeah. Perhaps not dissimilar to, say, the Great Barrier Reef, where yeah. you've got a, you know, a whole bunch of structure, large fish, small fish, you know, all feeding each other and growing this you know, amazing Eating thing. each other and sort of, you know, well, there is popping everywhere well, and stuff yeah, like that. Acquiring, perhaps, yeah, is, a yeah, nice, yeah. is a better word for it. But that's often what a true ecosystem is. How focused are you on sort of the smaller you know, startups and and the scale-ups versus the large organisations that need to feed into that system? Yeah, look, sure. The answer is very. The the remit for the office of the chief entrepreneur is wide uh, into the regions, you know, Cooper PD down to Mount Gambier. Um, it's across industries, across sectors um, and across age groups and people, you know, everything from a, um, a young kid at school who's uh, maybe created a, a software program for her, for her friends and is selling that to someone that's maybe a retired welder or something like that that's decided they're going to um, make really unique garden 
modern furniture or outdoor furniture and sell it to the world. You know, we want to create that entrepreneurial mm. spirit and, and buzz. And it is, um, you're exactly right, it is an ecosystem. I think one of the problems we've had in the past with the ecosystem, particularly in South Australia, it hasn't been that connected. And certainly, you know, one of my jobs and the jobs of the Office of the Chief Entrepreneur is to make sure that ecosystem is better connected, that we have the um, the entrepreneurs, the startups, they have access and, and connectivity with larger companies, with mentors, private equity, with VC, with the institutions that will give them the skills to take their ideas to uh, commercial reality that they, you know, that they can mix it with clients and customers. You know, it's very much about us having a light touch but putting people together and connecting them and creating those networks. That's a big piece when you think about it in that broad context. There must be a team that sits behind you, given that you're a volunteer. There must be a bunch of people that sit behind you. Tell me about the team. So, look, we've got a really, um, really great uh, entrepreneurial advisory board, or entrepreneurship, I apologies, entrepreneurship advisory board. You and know, I've, and I've, you, met a, I've met a couple you, of those. I've met some of them, uh, Anton and, uh, you know, Jenny Paradiso, for example, who are, you know, fantastic entrepreneurs uh, on their own. Um, George Freeney, Mohan Koo, Flavia, Tata Nardini from uh, Fleet, Steve Butler from Stillmark Telecommunications, all entrepreneurs. So, and they're all providing, again, um, freely of their time to to help us um, advise our policy and strategy for the state government. But we've also got a team of uh, professionals in the Office of the Chief Entrepreneur who are part of the state government, a really impressive bunch of people with a really impressive, uh, with really impressive backgrounds and credentials that are geared very much to supporting all the work we're doing. So, you know, the team basically, if you include a few of the others uh, in DIS, is probably about 20 people. Um, so there's a fair bit of horsepower behind it. That's a lot of investment by the state government. It, it totally mm. is. And I mean, this site has uh, basically half a billion dollars alone um, invested into it. And, you, you know, it is a big um, ask to create those networks. But this site in particular, I think, is going to be, uh, you know, is going to make that job much easier. Because if we've got all those people in one place, in a place like Lot 14, uh, in a place like Tonsley, um, in some of the uh, the other facilities uh, and, uh, and organisations um, and incubators around the state, then I think it just makes that connectivity so much easier. Mm, I agree. I interviewed uh, Kelly from Expose recently and you could see the excitement when she was talking about Lot 14 and the other organisations that are going to be here and the possibilities that will come out of that close collaboration uh, does sound like it uh, certainly is going to pay benefits. Oh, look, I think it's hugely exciting. I mean, I I, I don't know, Ben, you know, as you rove around the state, I I certainly, um, when I get to talk to people about this, and I have been doing it for the last six months, um, there is a a genuine enthusiasm and and a level of excitement for Mm. for what's going on down here. Mm. Um, And not only amongst entrepreneurs, and potential startups, but amongst the business community in South Australia and Adelaide more broadly, I think it's um, you know it's really really positive. Mm. What was the state of the ecosystem prior to you starting? Look, I think there's there's always been some really really great stuff um, in South Australia, and, th- and that actually goes back to our history as you know the the only um, state that was settled by free settlers. So there was you know the the the, uh, the history of the state is one of entrepreneurship and freedom of speech and, and tolerance. You know where the city of churches not because we have lots of churches, but because we had you know synagogue next to um, mosque next to um, a Christian church. Uh, and so I think there was a really, really uh, good basis here for, for entrepreneurship um, from a technology point of view. If you look at you know the number of Nobel laureates 
per capita in South Australia. I think if you if you do the numbers, we sit somewhere between Sweden and Switzerland. So you know there are great universities, there's great technology, there's great work done here, and particularly given our population is relatively small. But one of the things that struck me and uh, which I thought was strange, given the population and the fact that most people in Adelaide know each other, was the lack of connectivity. Mm. Um, and I think that's one of the things we're working hard on is just making sure the entrepreneurs know each other, the entrepreneurs know the financiers, you know, they know the private equity, they know the venture capitalists, they know the angels, they have the support network, they know who they need to talk to for legal advice, for marketing advice, for government relations advice, all those sorts of important parts of, um, of creating a business. And I think that's the thing that was perhaps lacking and that we're working really hard to um, to change. And we've got an opportunity almost better than anywhere else. Uh, look, I think that's the beauty of Adelaide, you know, and this is why it was so strange to me because Adelaide is uh, a small city and South Australia is a, from a population point of view, small state. Now, it's not obviously geographically, but the level of connectivity in, in South Australia and, and Adelaide um, specifically, I think is very high. And it just seems that is such a great opportunity to connect the people uh, that we need to to, um, to create businesses mm. and, and do good stuff. Mm. Have you been appointed to the role for a period of time? Yes. So my, my appointment is two years. And what do you uh, hope the end of two years looks like? Do you have some targets uh, set yeah, for yourself? We're, or? we're going through the process at the moment of coming up with KPIs, and I'm certainly keen on getting some some very hard quantifiable KPIs. I'm a big believer, you know, going test pile background, what doesn't get measured doesn't get done. So uh, we're in the process of just finding some, um, some hard quantitative KPIs. I would like things like revenue from companies less than five years old in South Australia, revenue from companies less than, you know, three years old in South Australia. We've got to work out ways to get that data in a... Um, a timely, cost-efficient and uh, rigorous way. Well, a lot of that's often private data too, right? So, yeah, yeah, some of it's not so much private. Well, it's covered by privacy law, mm. sorry. Um, that's exactly the case. Uh, case. The, the issue is often a, you, you need to collate data from several government departments and, um, and and doing that is not without its challenges and without its cost. So we want to do it in a, um, a reasonable um, sort of way. You know, we want to be able to have, you know, longitudinal studies so that we can see trends. But I'd also like to see us being able to benchmark ourselves against best practice and what's going on not mm. only in the rest of Australia but the rest of the world. So that's a big part of it um, is getting those measures and actually seeing we're achieving. But you know, in very broad terms for me, it, it's probably five years from now that the Office of Chief Entrepreneur is, is still going strong. Um, the person or, or people that succeed me are um, orders of magnitude more competent and capable. And, you know, that's the job of every CEO to make themselves dispensable. Mm-hmm. Um, but the office is is well respected for what it's achieving. Uh, and Adelaide is seen as the, uh, or sorry, South Australia, um, but Adelaide as a city is seen as the go-to state for entrepreneurship, um, particularly in technology fields uh, and the other things that were really good like biotech, ag tech, mm. all those other things and you know, creative industries. So what about it beyond Australia? Do you have a remit to promote South Australia as the place to start your company or to grow your company outside of Australia? Yeah, sure. So one of the things we've got is a, an entrepreneurial visa scheme. So for entrepreneurs that are overseas and want to come to South Australia, we're, um, we're piling the first ever scheme in Australia um, that will allow those entrepreneurs to move to, um, to South Australia and start up their uh, start up their companies. So absolutely, definitely, we um, our, our remit goes beyond South Australian and Australian borders. Um, you know, we want to get investors in from overseas, whether it's Europe or the US or or wherever. We want to get companies, and you know, many of those Australians. 
that have gone off overseas and done great things. We want to bring them back home and uh, say, hey, you know, there are some some great opportunities here. You know, I was recently in the US with the Premier and um, we are talking to several people in the space industry, for example, and they were saying, you know, these are people that have left Australia, you know, years and years ago and created great careers for themselves and, and great companies. And um, they're all saying, hey, I want my kids to be raised mm. as Australians. I want to come home as a time. And um, we're saying, yeah, it is. You know, mm. now, you know, there is some really amazing stuff going on. You know, the announcement of the... Um, mission Control yesterday. Yeah, Mission yeah. Control, but the um, the Space Agency um, at the International Astronautical Conference uh, a couple of years ago and that uh, in November last year that the um, the Space Agency would be based here, right here in um, Lot 14 mm-hmm. was, um, was, I think, really great. And, you know, the space piece does a whole lot of great stuff. It's, it's, it's great for supporting engineering and technology, but it's also really great for inspiration, for getting young kids um, wanting to be involved in, in STEM and those sorts of things. And I hope we can take that to the next step and say, you know, be involved in STEM and innovation and technology. Be involved also in the commercialisation, the entrepreneurship to create great South Australian companies. Mm, some interesting conversations yesterday with some young people about the fact that Mission Control is now going to be here. Yeah. Uh, really? Mission Control? In, in Adelaide? Yeah, yeah, in the old rural Adelaide hospital yeah. site. People going, wow, that's amazing. It is amazing. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, our intent to have mission control um, very visible to the public so people literally will be able to walk past it and see what's going on in there. Now, there'll be occasions when they're doing work that is um, a bit more sensitive, but for the most part, we want the public to, to see what's going on on this mm. site and be inspired by it. Mm. I know you'd mentioned before in the media that you want to make heroes of entrepreneurs. Yep. And, you know, this podcast is all about celebrating and talking about the stories mm. that, uh, that entrepreneurs bring to life. But one of the things we talk about very little is that along the way failure happens. Yep. Challenges yep. happen, failure happens, etc. Yep. And one of the things that I, you know, I think particularly in South Australia, we're not great at shouting from the rooftops how great we are. Yep. We're even worse at saying, you know what, mistakes happen. Yeah, sure. Um, I imagine, you know, as a as a person who's you know, grown a business yourself, you probably have stumbled along the way, you know, through various things. Is there anything you're happy to share with us? Um, several, yeah. Um, look, I, I've had, uh, and in fact, you know, failure is a good good um, point to talk about. But I, I prefer to use the the term experimentation. And I think, you know, again, I'll go back to my my flying experience. You know, it was all about um, making mistakes that didn't kill you. Um, <laughs> But maybe just embarrass you, and I think that's um, in many ways true of true of business as well. I like it; it's a good one. Look, I think the experimentation stuff is um, is something we've really got to um, to focus on. There is an issue, I think, with um, with fear of fear of failure in um, for for much of the Australian community, and I, I think you know, in some ways, I think it's getting worse. You know, we you know, with our kids, we really are concerned about their safety and all that sort of stuff. We I don't think we let our kids experiment as much. Um, you know, whether it's in a playground or or in other areas, and I think we've got to create those safe environments where people can experiment and fail and learn from those mistakes and, and as I say, um, not be killed and maybe just uh, embarrass themselves a bit. I think also, you know, we, we have got a whole issue with the tall poppy syndrome here. You know, the assumption in Australia generally is if you drive a Ferrari, you must have stolen from someone. Um, or you've ripped someone off. You know, I'd like to change that paradigm around so that if someone's done really well and they happen to have bought themselves a Ferrari or a nice car, we don't we don't look upon that with jealousy. We look upon that as, hey, that's someone that's worked hard and um, and contributed back to the state. They've created a company, they've created jobs, and you know maybe they have rewarded themselves. And you know that's a good thing, and that's something that we should aspire to. And that's right, aspiration versus jealousy. Absolutely. That's the key, isn't it? You yeah. want people to look at that and go, yeah. wow, if you can do that, why yeah. can't I do that? Absolutely. Right? And that drives that spirit yeah. for everybody to, for entrepreneurship, to achieve. Yeah. 
I think the other part of it too is when when people do um, fail, you know, one of the great Australian traits is the ability to laugh at the misfortune of others. You know, when someone does have a hiccup and it goes badly wrong, particularly where they behave with um, with good intent, that instead of walking past them and having a bit of a giggle, you know, we do extend a hand out and say, hey, what did you learn from that? How can we help you do better next time? Mm. I think we do need to change that. I'll use the term social paradigm so that we celebrate the wins and the, the successes and we do make heroes of the entrepreneurs. But those people who actually have a go and get up and uh, continue trying, we should be celebrating them as well because that takes real resilience um, and that is um, equally important. I think the um, the other side of this, though, is that entrepreneurship uh, in Australia, I think, you know, we expect our business people to have a social agenda as well and to do the right thing, to, to be thinking about social responsibility, to be thinking about sustainability. And I think in South Australia in particular, we've always been a very generous society and uh, we should be combining as much as possible um, the entrepreneurship we have here with a social element. Now, that can take all sorts of different forms. Yep. Might be using suppliers that are, have got a genuine genuine social entrepreneur agenda or you know, genuinely been a social entrepreneur you, yourself. But it's also important so that people do do the right thing. And you know, if we're going to make entrepreneurs heroes, that they, they are contributing back to society in all sorts of different ways. Equally, though, those people that use entrepreneurship as an excuse for bad behaviour, for not you know, uh, paying their suppliers, um, for not paying their employees superannuation, for treating their customers badly, all those sorts of stuff, those people are not entrepreneurs in my view and they need to be uh, taken out and identified. <laughs> um, taken out how exactly? Uh, well, I won't use the military term for that. <laughs> they need to be identified. You know, Entrepreneurs out there need to identify those people that are giving us a bad name. Hmm. Um, now, Do you think you know, that's a problem in South Australia? I mean, South Australia is very visible. It's very hard to hide in this community. Yeah, it is. Um, I think there are. there's the odd entrepreneur out there that thinks they can get away with it. I don't think it's commonplace, yep. but I'd like to say to them, you are on notice. Um, as I say, if myself, the Entrepreneurship Advisory Board and the Office of the Chief Entrepreneur are going to make heroes of the entrepreneurs, um, those ones that want to jump on that train and uh, don't want to live the, uh, the life that's yep. required, uh, they will get pushed off the train very quickly, hmm. probably into a train coming the other way. <laughs> Listeners, there's no smile on his face when he's talking about that. <laughs> it's an important part. I, yeah. I think it is. You know, I, I think you know, not unreasonably, society expects us as business people to do the right thing. And I think you know, um, all the things we've heard about lately with um, with royal commissions and banks and all that sort of stuff. Uh, indicative not only of you know lack of process and procedure, but I think uh, lack of ethics. You know what what is regarded as um, ethical and moral behaviour. Mm. And uh, I think as entrepreneurs, you know we create that paradigm ourselves, and we should make sure we create the right one. Mm. And there's no benefit for the state or anybody else when royal commissions happen and other no, things that distract them and yep. lack of focus then on customers and driving yep. good outcomes is just yep. it's just crazy. So yep. um, one of the things you talk about in, a, in an article that I read about how important speed was and uh, you, you also referenced a time in your business where you'd made an acquisition and you hadn't done enough due diligence. How do you balance the right amount of due diligence, which is, can often be a long, arduous process, yeah, with yeah, speed yeah. to market and, yeah. you know, revving up your capability? Look, it's, it's a really difficult one and it, it literally is one of those how, how long is a piece of string questions because, you know, you can you can take a year of due diligence and come up with a perfect solution but then you've missed the opportunity. Mm. And it, it literally is um, that, that paradigm of um, time, information and effectiveness. Interestingly, again, I'll, you know, um, I'll go back to my aviation background, you know, as a, as a pilot, uh, particularly as a fighter pilot and a test pilot, 
you know, often you are expected with a limited amount of information to make a decision very quickly. And the reason you have to make it quickly um, is because it will be ineffective otherwise. The other aircraft um, that you're fighting against will be past you or, you know, uh, in your shorts pretty rapidly. You know, for a lot of uh, the people in my own uh, company, for example, those with a, a strong engineering background, the, the paradigm of philosophy they are used to is getting a lot of information, making a very, very well-informed decision and it having it having the uh, the appropriate effect, getting that balance um, for business and entre- entrepreneurship is is really important. So, I think sometimes you either need to recognise that, or you need to recognise there are other people that are good at taking longer to make um, well informed decisions. And if the effectiveness does not change, then get more information, make a good decision. But if the effectiveness is in the next one minute or five weeks understand you're going to have limited information and you're going to have to make a call one way Mm. or the other. And hopefully it's not fatal. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Absolutely, yeah. So companies out there listening, entrepreneurs out there listening, people out there inspired by what's happening here in South Australia, what advice do you have for them? Oh, look, give it a go. If you've got a good idea, you know, um, have a think about whether you can turn that into commercial reality. Don't be naive about it. You know, um, having a good idea is one thing, but you also need to equip yourself with the skills. You know, you need to understand what I, uh, you know, how to write a business plan. You need to understand about financing. Um, you need to understand what cash flow is. You need to be able to get, do a pitch. So equip yourself with the skills. And, you know, the Office of the Chief Entrepreneur is here to help you find find the providers of um, uh, that education and training and, you know, in some cases actually help provide it, mm. uh, provide it as well. Um, have a go at it. You know, it, it's, uh, it can be really hard work, but it can be really, really rewarding. Um, and for those of your listeners who maybe aren't entrepreneurs but have got friends or family that are, um, I'd say, do you support them? You know, it's a hard road, but they're doing great things for uh, South Australia. They're doing great things for the economy, and they can be really, really successful on that path. And you know, it's um, it's a lot nicer when you get the support of your friends and family around you uh, on that path. Mm. And it's great when you actually have supported someone along the way, and you go, you know what? I was a part of that. Totally, I Absolutely. was there. Yeah. I was there at the beginning. I yeah. was, you know, I gave them some money. I bought their product. I was, you know. Yeah. Uh, I was there at the uh, the very beginning. Yeah, That's pretty it's exciting. Really satisfying. It's, it's, it's great to see those great mm. stories. And you know, there are lots of them in South Australia. Um, and you know, I want to make sure there's lots more. Yeah, brilliant. Thank you very much for joining us. Great being with you, with you Ben. Thanks Cheers. very much. Cheers. Pretty interesting conversation, hey? Big thanks to Jim for taking time out of his super busy schedule to record this interview and talk about how you can be supported in the South Australian entrepreneurial community. If you want to find out more about Jim, the Office for the Chief Entrepreneur or FIXI, which is the future industry exchange for entrepreneurs here in South Australia, then I have a whole lot of info on my website, including some great photos. Head over to www.theselfmadetheory.com. Make sure you subscribe on your favourite podcast app, Apple, Spotify, Pocket Casts. In fact, I'll lay down a challenge for you to find a podcast app that we're not on. Until next time, keep innovating, overcoming and prospering.